Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. It is a sunny Tuesday. Been a while since we've said that out in Denver. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Trotar. Sandy Clough is on my left. Of course, tonight, the Western Conference Finals gets underway. Game 1, 6.30 p.m. tip on ESPN. The Nuggets take on the Lakers. And uh, there's a lot of history in this series, Sandy, obviously. There's a lot of uh, uh, bad blood in the series, at least at times, over the the course of it. And there's been a lot of frustration for the Denver Nuggets, who are 8-25 and in the playoffs historically against the Lakers and have lost the last three Western Conference Finals appearances that they have made to those same Lakers. So uh, this feels kind of like uh, it, it's more than a, a chip on your shoulder. It's it's more than the, the monkey on your back. It is an elephant standing on top of, of the Denver Nuggets historically and uh, certainly a dragon that they would like to slay starting with game one tonight. I think it's the first time, though, in all the series, whether they be best of three, best of five, best of seven, Western Conference Finals, earlier rounds of the playoffs. It's the first time the Nuggets have been the younger team. It's the first time they've been the healthier team. Uh, first time they've come in, apart from the mini series that they played best out of three in 1979, with home court advantage. And I think they have the best player in the series by acclamation, I would say. I don't think anyone would particularly dispute that. Whether he will be the best player in the series is probably a necessity for the Nuggets in order that they win. But actually, we'll break this down a little more later. I I actually think the keys to the series are the two wildcard players for Denver, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., how they match up, how the Lakers choose to match up against them. I think we'll see a test of uh, Michael Malone's defensive creativity in this series. Uh, The offense, I tend to think with the Nuggets, oftentimes, thanks to Jokic, takes care of itself. But the Nuggets will have to be a lot more creative a lot more bold, I think, on the defensive end of the floor than they were in either of the first two rounds when you looked at basically Anthony Edwards and maybe Carl Anthony Towns as offensive threats in the first round and only Devin Booker and Kevin Durant as offensive threats in the second round. The Lakers can put five people on the floor at a given time who are capable of generating offense one way or the other there is yeah at least more of a ability here to move the ball around there's more diversity in the offense more ability for more guys to score and obviously that does matter a lot and it changes things dramatically Uh, Nicole Jokic talked about it yesterday talking about how how different this team is and the the challenges there you know he said we didn't play with this kind of Lakers meaning of course the, the turnover uh, so this is basically a new team for us. Probably everything is new. Everything is different. They're playing amazing in these playoffs. Uh, since the deadline, they're playing really well. And spoke specifically about 
22 and 11, by the yeah. way, since February 26th. Great at home. Playoffs included, and they have not lost a home game since March. Yep, they have been really, really a, a, a totally a different team. Remember, here's the names of the guys they've moved on from since the last time that the Nuggets and Lakers played. Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Thomas Bryant, of course, to the Denver Nuggets. Yes. They've added instead uh, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Achimura, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, and Tristan Thompson. Bamba not expected to play tonight. But there is Beasley may play in this series, but I don't believe he played in the last one except for maybe some garbage time minutes. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. I I think the Nuggets are pretty well established uh, as an eight-man team at this point. And uh, the Lakers, in their most recent game, used only seven people. But, of course, Shooter got tossed from that game. And I imagine in this series, you'll see, depending on the situation, uh, some different starting lineups from the Lakers. So you, you won't see that with the Nuggets. They, they, short of injury, their starting lineup is set, well-established. So is their bench rotation. Bruce Brown is the sixth man. Usually now, it seems, although he doesn't get as many minutes, that Christian Brown precedes Jeff Green. But that's the way the Nuggets do it. Um, The only similarities that I can see in the way these two teams manage their rotation is that Nikola Jokic tends to come out of the game late first quarter uh, through the first three or four minutes of the second quarter. Same kind of thing from third quarter to fourth quarter, although sometimes he'll play the entire third quarter. And the Lakers do exactly the same thing or seem to be doing exactly the same thing lately with Anthony Davis. The two are likely to play at the same time, if not always matched up head-to-head with the other, and they will rest at the same juncture of virtually every ball game. I would think. I think so, too, in part because both of these coaches realize there are no other options that are even close when it comes to defending the other. Because of that, it's almost as if there's a, a detente between the coaches in, a, you know, I'll put in my guy when you put in your guy. I'll take out my guy when you take out your guy. Because they understand that this is the reality of uh, the best possible matchup is the other. And that part is interesting because the last time they had played back in the, the 2020 playoffs, which uh, Nicole Jokic said he doesn't remember anything about on Monday. Of course, you know, he's budging a little bit. But Not and, good and, for him because right. it's irrelevant. Well, whatever Davis, he may have learned is irrelevant now to uh, the proceedings we expect to unfold. Yes, and and Anthony Davis in that series was tremendous. And he was arguably their best player, depending on the way you look at it. And that's the way this is going to be, too. I, I suspect they're going to want to get Davis going because he is the, in many ways, the idea of unlocking LeBron because LeBron James at this point is still a phenomenal talent and still has the ability to take over games and still their lead score in the play, but he has to pick a spot and it makes things a lot easier. If Davis is generating consistent offense for James to be able to pick the spots in which he wants to start uh, playing downhill. And I think that's one of the things that's going to be, we'll notice early and often in this playoffs. I ask you this question because maybe I'm forgetting someone who would be very obvious but at the age of 38, has there ever been a player in the history of the NBA who has averaged 
23 and a half points, 10 rebounds, and almost five and a half assists, almost a steal per game, almost a block and a half per game, shooting 49% or better from the field. I can't even I, imagine I can't it's a possibility. Th- those are the numbers for LeBron James in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Those are <laughs> his numbers when there's focus on him, they're uh, intense Focus positions that take place during a head-to-head series. Teams can make adjustments from game to game. Personnel's not going to change unless there's injury. Teams are set by this time. And so teams have come up with all kinds of ways, at least Memphis and Golden State. It may not be the best examples. (laughs) Come up with as many ways as you can to try to defend him. And yet those are the numbers. Uh, Davis, not nearly as old as that, has impressive numbers, but for a 38-year-old to be playing the all-court game that James plays is something that I don't think we've ever seen before. Uh, Michael Jordan's comeback uh, with Washington, uh, bad team. Uh, Michael was hurt a lot more than LeBron is getting hurt at age 38. Uh, Although, I think... Maybe during this series, the fact that LeBron is still nursing that foot injury a little bit and clearly paces himself, uh, that Anthony Davis is fragile, that could be a factor. Could be a factor in this series. The Nuggets, apart from this mystery illness that seems to have uh, affected Jamal Murray, uh, although he was listed as questionable and played full bore and quite well in game six against Phoenix. He is listed tonight as being questionable. Uh, That is the most ridiculous uh, pregame injury report, perhaps in the history of major professional (laughs) sports. Anybody who doesn't think Jamal Murray is going to play tonight and probably play quite well is crazy. Yeah. And and you talk about the idea with LeBron and and Michael Jordan as great as he was, but by the time Michael Jordan was 38, he had had three years away. And one of those years played minor league baseball. He'd been four years without NBA basketball. And I don't mean that to say he was rusty. I mean that to say that he avoided the wear and tear. Go look at what LeBron James has done, how many games he's played in those four uh, years in which he has continued to play. What we've seen from LeBron is unprecedented. It is remarkable. And while I agree with you that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the series, you overlook LeBron James at your own peril. Uh, This is a a multiple-time champion, a guy that's come up with the biggest plays at the biggest times over the course of his career, and don't think he doesn't know how to do it again. He's more effective now, I think, because he doesn't have to carry so much of the load. Let's just go back to the beginning of the season when the Lakers started 2-10, and and he was doing far more than anyone at any age should be asked to do. And now, maybe... They've surrounded him with as good a team since the trade deadline as he has ever played on. And I shudder to think what LeBron would do at age 28 playing with these same guys right now, except you turn the clock back 10 years on, on LeBron. But you know what? He's still their leader. And I think he is as certainly their leader as Nikola Jokic is Denver's leader. 
as this series begins. I don't think there's a question about it, Sandy. I think you're 100% right. And when you talk about the bona fides of these two guys, well, LeBron's, of course, dwarfs Nikola Jokic. Even though Nikola Jokic is now a two-time MVP, and that's where some of the danger lies. I think the Nuggets are deeper. I think the Nuggets are better. I think the Nuggets are also more cohesive because they've been able to play together for a longer span of time. I think Darvin Ham has done a nice job coaching. That there were stories coming out the last couple of days. You know, the out coach Steve Kerr. Stop it. Uh, no, uh, he he was perfectly fine. There wasn't anything flawed with the way that Darvin Ham coached. But let's not get ahead and, and anoint him somewhere of the equivalent of Steve Kerr just yet. But they're still in a feeling out process to an extent. Have they played very well during the playoffs? They have. Has their rotation started to uh, crystallize? No. It hasn't, actually. And there's the idea that perhaps you can look it's at it. Less so. Less, less so, so than, than the Denver's, Nuggets certainly. rotation is, is crystallized. Yeah. But I, I think that's a strength. And uh, even in an otherwise laudatory uh, Denver Post piece today, Michael Malone was described as occasionally stubborn. And, uh, I mean, you read the piece, it's 99.9% laudatory, but there's that one little reference, and good for Mike Singer in making it, uh, stubborn sometimes means inflexible. Uh, you say their rotation in Los Angeles hasn't crystallized. hasn't crystallized because Darvin Ham did have the guts to trust Lonnie Walker the fourth, and his performance in the fourth quarter of Game 4 changed that series. Without it, the Nuggets are facing the Golden State Warriors, and I do believe in that sense I would push back a little bit. Darvin Ham did outcoach Steve Kerr, who never developed any trust in his younger players, the way Darvin Ham placed trust in Lonnie Walker. Uh, I think that's probably fair. Yes, I think that... Uh, and Golden State played miserably. They now, I, I, overall for this year, do I fault Kerr for that? Of course not. But uh, various authorities I have spoken to in recent days, people who've spent years playing and coaching, most all of them Hall of Famers, say they were shocked at how badly Golden State played and how fragile they were. They looked for the first time. Except for Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. Old. And Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. And those three guys performed in a way that had nothing to do with Steve Curry. Um, their performance was at best erratic. And that is one of the things that we can either – take solace in from a Nuggets point of view or be a little worried about. Of the four remaining teams, the Lakers are by far the hardest team to gauge. Right? Yes. Now. Yes. By far, because it's certainly a mix of excellent play by the Lakers, but also dreadful play by their playoff opponents. Now, Laker fans will say, well, what about the Nugget opponents? in the first two rounds. Yeah, okay, except for the fact that the Phoenix Suns, once they traded for Kevin Durant, were immediately pronounced as not only favorites, but prohibitive favorites to come out of the West. And the Nuggets exposed them in a way that had nothing to do with the Suns missing Chris Paul for most of the series, had nothing to do with their missing DeAndre Ayton in Game 6 had nothing to do with that. So I, I I do think that 
the Lakers had something to do with making Memphis and Golden State look bad, but Memphis and Golden State, as we now see, especially with Memphis, had problems that uh, precluded them from beating much of anybody in the first round (laughs) of the playoffs. And Golden State seemingly admitting now that, you know, we did as well as we could do just to get to the Western Conference semifinals. So there's some things that we're interested to watch tonight. I think more so from the Lakers than from the Nuggets because the Nuggets have the home court. The Lakers have won the first game on the road in their two preceding series. And I think if the Nuggets win tonight, there is a better than good chance that they'll win game two as well. And then it becomes a series that feels like a home court series. And the Nuggets have the luxury of going into crypto.com arena out in Los Angeles and knowing if they win one game, it's a luxury. Not a, not a necessity. However, if the Lakers win tonight, right, as they have in the previous two series, opening on the road and winning game one, then you begin to think that this is going to be a very long series. It is going to be a fascinating series and a fascinating game one because for everything that Sandy discussed there, this is obviously a really important Game one, in many cases, more more pivotal than others because we don't know what we don't know about the Lakers, and we'll find out how the Nuggets are after, a, for them, a relatively lengthy layoff. Want to know what you think? The caller or text line is 303-831-1340. We'll continue to break down game one and this series on the whole today. And Brian Blackburn of Mile High Sports will join us at the top of the hour to discuss it more next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, and over ESPN, they had a roundtable discussion with uh, some of their experts talking about uh, things that, you know, you would expect to hear about the series. Who's been the playoff MVP? What matchups are you looking forward to? Uh, and for the in these cases, you know, for the West, it was everybody saying Jokic and and uh, sure. Anthony Davis, with oh, one yeah. exception of saying Jokic versus uh, LeBron James, and Jokic versus uh, history, which is an interesting choice. But that leads into the one that I think is intriguing. The, the final question was who has the most at stake in the conference right. finals. Now, a couple of the answers, Kevin Pelton said uh, LeBron James, which I get, again, when you're talking about legacy, I'm not really sure what else <laughs> you can do. I mean, if, if you believe that LeBron James is the best or second best player in, in the NBA history, I'm not really sure another ring's going to change it. I don't think so. But, you know, whatever. I guess now, at the age it, it of would be it would be a feather in the cap because it, people will say, well, Kareem uh, won titles at that age. Well, yeah, but Magic was clearly the player driving the team. Uh, Kareem certainly wasn't averaging 23 points and 10 rebounds at age 38. He was playing, but not at that level. Couple of the uh, the folks said Nikola Jokic, of course, talking about the uh, the boost to the legacy for 
uh, not only Jokic, but for the Nuggets themselves. You know, obviously, and I, and I get the argument to that. But the one that's interesting I want to talk about is Kendra Andrews. Yeah. That's what she wrote. Nuggets coach Michael Malone. And Kendra Andrews, by the way, picked the Nuggets to win in six. Right. Nuggets coach Michael Malone. He has been with the Nuggets since 2015 and has been coaching the Jokic-Jamal Murray-Duro duo since 2016. If Denver doesn't reach the finals as one of two teams remaining that didn't need the play-in tournament to advance, there could be questions about Malone's future and whether he's the guy to get it done in Denver. Now, we had talked about how getting to the Western Conference Finals, anything less might put Michael Malone in hot water. I don't think he's in hot water anymore unless for some reason... I don't reason, think she's quite saying This that, went though. completely sideways. The question is, do you have to get someone who's won a ring to win a ring? That's kind of the question that's been asked. No, because you she, know, she, she says if... if, if and you just read, if I'm yeah. misquoting, correct me. There could be questions but, but she, about his future. There could be questions. About his future. I, I don't know. The not a, maybe not immediate questions, right. but I agree with that. I agree with that. He's the fourth longest tenured coach in the NBA. I mean, if you're not going to win it now, when are you going to win it? You've had the best player in the world for three years. You've had two separate front office administrations who have given you your superstar something no other Nugget coach has ever had. No no other coach Not in the history level. of the franchise has had a player as good as you. This is the best player he's, in the history. He's far and away the best player in the history of the franchise. And I, I don't know that already having a good team and then having a new general manager add just the right pieces. Uh, all three players with a defensive orientation who, in at least two of the three instances, are players who on a given night can score 15 to 20 points. And I'm talking about Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown. Uh, players... who might not have been as appealing to the previous front office regime, but were very appealing to Calvin Booth, even over intra-organizational objections. I'll leave it at that. Certainly the drafting of Christian Brown was controversial within the Nugget organization. There are three, Sandy, count them three, active head coaches. Who have won NBA championships? Who currently do not have a job in Mike Budenholzer, in Nick Nurse, and in Doc Rivers? Exactly right. So Doc Rivers has won almost 1,100 NBA games, and in spite of his proclivity for losing Game Sevens in his coaching career, he's six and ten in Game Sevens. What did Whitey Herzog, the great? former manager of the St. Louis Cardinals used to say, if you could put me in game seven of the World Series every year and tell me I was going to lose every single one of them, I would consider myself to have been successful Mm -hmm. as a Major League Baseball manager. Now, of course, that didn't happen. And when Whitey said that, he said it after they had lost a game seven, but they had also won a World Series in St. Louis under Whitey Herzog. And when you've won a championship, 
it's easier to say <laughs> I could lose every and year. Doc Rivers has won a championship. Seven. Doc Rivers did win a championship in 2008 against the uh, Kobe Bryant-led Los Angeles Lakers. And he's got a winning record in the playoffs, almost 1,100 games. Yes, uh, he hasn't been able to lift some fairly talented teams, very talented teams, in Los Angeles, the Clippers, and now Philadelphia to the mountaintop. True true enough. But, uh, again, when you have this kind of cast, whatever you may think of the Nuggets' prospects for next year, once next year begins, it won't be exactly the same team. And even if it were the same players, it wouldn't be exactly the same team. This is the Nuggets moment, and there is expectation and pressure associated with that. But there's also a feeling that, at least up to now, halfway through the playoffs, the Nuggets have embraced all of that and dealt with the pressure and those expectations very, very well. But it only gets harder now. This is the second half of the journey, and the last eight wins will come a lot harder than the first eight did. The, the the situation with the coaches, though, I bring up because it is interesting. You begin to wonder, someone, for example, like, and I'm not trying to pick on him, but Jason Kidd, right, who oversaw one of the more, I would say, disappointing performances given the expectations coming into the season. Well, he has a job. Doc Rivers, Sixers lost in game seven to a Celtics team who has been the odds-on favorite to win the East for a, for a while. And when you really look at it, Philadelphia probably did pretty well to go seven. And, and that he's had, out of a job. That had a lot to do with Boston's uh, style of play. Monty Williams they, hasn't won a but, title, but, but he's gotten to the finals. But, he's out of a job. Boonmills out of a job. Right, right. Uh, the, uh, they had injuries and, and a bad right. playoff performance. Right. He's out of a job. Well, so well, it, it, now, now I'm hearing Mike Budenholzer may coach Phoenix, and Monty sense. Williams may. Coach that would be Milwaukee hilarious if he's not coaching Philadelphia. I mean, Monty Williams will have a job next year. I think a lot of people look at the Phoenix situation and say it was a mess. Um, New a owner. lot of people also look at the Milwaukee situation and say, well, they're a little spoiled. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the guy won a championship two years ago with his job on the line. You talk about producing under pressure. And now it, it, he couldn't last two more years. So at a certain point, I winning this team in the NBA. Where the last five years? is the and, and the winningest team in the West the last three years? By the way, Phoenix Suns under Monty Williams. Yeah, so that's right. That, where is where is the NBA's value? I guess then when we're talking about coaches, because uh, coaches that sort of underachieve can retain their job. Coaches that that have a blip in the playoffs lose their job. Guys with titles, and to to look at Michael Malone's situation in here. It, it's difficult, I guess, to look at it and think, well, where is where does he really stand? Is he a guy that's that's considered one of the better coaches? Is he one of those guys that hasn't won enough to get the target on his back, like Budenholzer or Nurse or Doc Rivers? Obviously, he doesn't have that kind of resume since he doesn't have a title. But the way the NBA values coaches is interesting. 
Because if you think that those those three guys that have rings that are sitting out, Monty Williams, by the way, came real close, has a Western Conference championship to his credit. None of them have jobs. So how much value do current NBA teams really put on the coaches anymore? Is Not it enough, a, in my opinion. It's, it seems like the, the, it's really becoming undervalued, right? Now, how mm-hmm. much of that, and this would be one of the interesting things to discuss, Kevin Durant alluded to it. He had the, the number of years wrong, but the point remains the same. The ability to stay in one place with players, develop a culture of winning, of which the Nuggets have done so. Now, if they got to the championship, no. Have they won a championship? No. Have they been a consistently winning team? Yes, they have. Have they been a consistently good team? They have. Have they avoided, for the most part, the drama that seems to bump into a lot of the league's top teams? Also, yes, with the exception of Bones Highland, and the Nuggets made that very clear in their culture. You're gone. You're gone. You pulled that one thing. You walked off during a game. You're a talented player. We actually need you, but guess what? You're gone. And I I think the Malone probably doesn't get the credit for that, and I do wonder how much of that factors into the value of an NBA coach in today's league. And and our team's looking at it correctly. I'm trying to decide if Malone is being overhyped or undervalued, and the truth of the matter is I don't know yet. Well, I I just go by what... I perceive, and what I perceive isn't necessarily the absolute truth. Uh, I was more inclined to defend Michael Malone when he didn't have first really any players at all. And then, you know, we got to a point where they were pretty good and it was time to make the playoffs in 2018-19. And not only did they make the playoffs that year, they finished with the second best record in the Western Conference behind Golden State. The playoff record, though, in the last 20 games going into the season was 6-14. and 14. And there was a sense that while Jokic was ascending, the team had flattened out. I think a major reason, not the only reason, but a major reason that they rose up again this year and finished first in the conference for the first time, was that Calvin Booth found exactly the right balance between doing what the Lakers did at the trade deadline out of necessity that worked out and doing what teams like Brooklyn have done, and that's tear the team completely apart rebuild with superstars and now they're going with maybe more of a sense that if we can get the top 10 or 15 players at every position have a top 10 bench in the league maybe we can win that way but it's a complete philosophical change this team has remained philosophically pretty stable but I think in the last Five years, 18 through 23, 18, 19 through 22, 23. There isn't a coach in the league who's been given more to work with than Michael Malone. And I think now you're at kind of a moment of truth for him, more than for Jokic or for any individual in the Nugget organization. He's been around the longest. 
and I was inclined to defend him when people were knocking him and saying he was just like, you know, Brian Shaw, and, you know, it, 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 that there was really no difference that Shaw didn't have any players either. I, I would I, I, I disagreed with that at the time and said so at the time. However, within the last five years, I think not only does he have talent, he has more talent than any Nugget Rocket coach in the history of the franchise going back to their first year in the ABA in 1967-68. Yes, there have been great individuals. Spencer Haywood's rookie year, uh, David Thompson's rookie year, uh, and their final ABA uh, season in which they went to the finals and came without Julius Irving and John Williamson in the sixth game. Uh, the Nuggets probably would have won the last ABA championship. No Nugget team, no Denver Rocket team in history has had this kind of talent. If any Nugget team was ever positioned to win a championship, it's this one. And they've got all the ingredients. I'm not saying it isn't a challenge. It is. He's got his guys. He's got his eight-man rotation. I think in this series he'll be challenged to deploy those eight players maybe more than he's been challenged in the first two series. Not because Darman Ham is a Hall of Fame coach, although I think he's done a terrific job this year, but because the Lakers, whether it's a mixture of skill or luck, <laughs> a heavier mixture of one than the other, the, the Lakers have, on paper at least, seemingly all the ingredients. And with James... Uh, who was accused earlier in his career of not doing everything he could to lift mm -hmm. his teams. You talk about a guy who didn't have anything around him in Cleveland, still got him to the finals one time. But now he's he's got his championships, and he's looking at history. I think James versus history and Jokic versus history are are two of the more fascinating subplots. Uh, in these series now, but of all four coaches, you got two rookie coaches, don't you? Yep. And you got Eric Spolstra, yep. who is acknowledged as one of the two or three best coaches and in has the won NBA, the whole has thing been before. for years, has won multiple championships, and has had uh, a team that didn't have superior talent, uh, albeit in the bubble, in the NBA Finals before, uh, a place where the Nuggets have never gone. Now they have the team to do it and it's time to get it done. And, yes, a, the burden is on the coach who was given chances early on, much as Jared Bednar was. But a year ago, Jared Bednar's job was on the line. And nothing less than a Stanley Cup was going to silence his critics. And even after he won a cup, he had people saying, well, anybody could have coached that team to a cup. But the same Sometimes standards Sometimes those are the don't, same people. Don't, uh, I understand. But... It, it, it's some of the same people who I, I sometimes uh, feel that because they might happen to like Michael Malone more than they like Jared Bednar for whatever reason, that he's Teflon Mike. Nothing sticks. Well, no criticism. I might I might have a, a little bit of pushback on the idea that he's been given more than any coach in the NBA. Not more than any coach in Nuggets history, but we'll continue to break this down as the Western Conference Final starts tonight. The call and text line 303-831-3140. We'll be back with more on Mile High Sports.
Is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports? The Denver Nuggets take on the Los Angeles Lakers downtown in Denver tonight, six thirty p.m. Tip. Sandy, we're talking about how uh, Michael Malone was given more to work with uh, than any Nuggets coach in history, which I would agree. Sure, I think this is the most talented Nuggets team in history, and it has to do with the fact that uh, the guy at the very top, Nikola Jokic, is by far. Uh, the best player in Nuggets history. He's 28 years old, and if he retired today, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's the kind of player you're talking about. That gives you the uh, edge, I think, over the English Lever Vandaway era of the Nuggets, which I think would probably be uh, in that next group wow. of overall talent, even though that that was a, a small group well, of time. There was no Lever and Vandaway. Right, not at the same time. Trade, but, uh, yes, but you had a, part of a bigger trade. Right, there there were trades involved there, but you had this sort of a window with uh, in that early '80s. You know, Issel was still part of that at the end. Vandaway was part of that in the stage. Calvin Nat was part of that as well. Right, but the, there were very good teams in the. I, 80s. I thought in 1988 the Nuggets had a team that could have won a championship. Um, they could have even withstood injuries had they not come to. Fat Lieber and Jay Vincent in particular. Those were the two guys they couldn't afford to get hurt. And no less an authority than the late, great Chick Hearn uh, came on a show that I was hosting uh, back in another radio life. After the playoffs were over and the Lakers had won again, they had repeated as champions. And Chick Hearn said the Lakers were not the best team this year. The Nuggets were the best team this year. They would have beaten the Lakers, but the Lakers were the luckier team and that they did not have injuries in the playoffs. Uh, that would catch up with the Lakers later on, but for that year, they didn't have key injuries, and the Nuggets did have key injuries. Um, we talked about Alex English's broken hand uh, after he had scored 28 points in the first half of Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals in 1985 against the Lakers, who were eventually the world champions, and I think would have beaten the Nuggets, but it would have been a six- or seven-game series without Alex English's broken hand. The Nuggets would have won game four, tied the series to two games apiece, and the series would have gone at least uh, six games. But I thought in 88, the league wasn't as strong. The Lakers weren't as good as they had been in other championship seasons, and uh, the Nuggets had the Lakers' number during that particular period. Um, They seemed to match up well and seemed to get up for the Lakers. And the Lakers had a lot of teams shooting at them. They were the defending champions. And uh, Doug was coach of the year and and deservedly so. But uh, this year, the Nuggets weren't the favorites that year. They weren't the favorites in 1985. They're the favorites now. They're the favorites. They are the favorites. In this series and against any prospective opponent, with a uh, well, Boston, no, Boston is, if Boston, Boston sweeps Miami, then I think Boston, well, Boston might be favored against either the Lakers or the Nuggets. But I'll tell you what, I, 
you know, who does Boston have that has a chance against Jokic? You know, in any kind Boston, of matchup Boston scenario, matches up nobody. against the nobody. Nuggets much like the Suns do, except they are deeper. But otherwise, oh, there's, yeah. there's they, a lot of similarities are. in the way that and, the, and, the teams would And pick. listen, I, I think uh, uh, the the young coach in Boston in his first Joe year Mizzoula, yep. made the right decision. Um, maybe he waited a while before he made it, but eventually made the decision that he had to make, and that was to start Robert Williams alongside Al Horford, right. which gave uh, Horford a bit of leeway as he went up against Embiid. And I think they would maybe bring some of that to a final series. But as you know, that's the final series oh, yeah. I want to see. But there have been times, not not all times, but times in this month of May where the Nuggets have been clearly the favorites. Yeah, that's true. And they're the favorites in this series as well. Our friends at Superbook uh, have them at minus 160 to win this series. Uh, the Celtics, mind you, minus 550 to win theirs against the Heat. But as I yeah. tell everybody, never tell Jimmy Butler the odds. Because that man does not care. <laughs> but you look at the uh, current uh, odds for the title. Boston is now even money, plus 100 to win the title. The Nuggets second to 260. The Lakers just behind them at plus 300. Miami, of course, uh, distant behind at plus 1,600. But I, I do think that Malone has had the opportunity to work with the most talented and most congruent Nuggets team, and I, I continue to use yeah. that word because I think it's important, because what Calvin Booth did in the offseason was add talent that worked together. You've talked about how teams now, we've seen it with Brooklyn, try to build the super teams, get a bunch of talented yeah. guys, throw them together, and then when they can't stand each other and right. things fall blow to smithereens, right. uh, there you go. But what Calvin Booth tried to do is find guys with uh, particular personality types, particular skill sets that all complemented gaps that, that the rest of the team and had. Daryl Morey did that fit. in Philadelphia, too. But you know what it came down to? Embiid and Harden not Embiid playing big and in big Harden games. Embiid and Harden aren't as good as Jokic and Murray. Nope. At least not right now they're nope. not. And Embiid is a, uh, I hesitate to say paper tiger, but I will say close. Because um, this is a guy that does not play all that big in big games when it's winning time and talks a very big game and talks about how he needs more help and talks money, gets right. more help. He, he can't do it alone. Uh, nah, and and I think that that's uh, you know if you're Doc Rivers and you're fired again, you've got to be thinking one, you got to be kidding me, and then once that wears off, go, oh maybe this is actually for well, the better. I can just get over t- headaches. and we'll get back to Malone, but I just want to touch on something. If anybody believes that Monty Williams was fired without at least the implicit approval of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, you don't know what you're talking about. Anybody believes that Doc Rivers was fired independent of input, especially from James Harden, maybe as a condition of Harden staying with the team. Potentially staying around, yeah. And to an extent with Embiid, I would think too. Equally delusional. Equally delusional. And... I'm not saying that, okay, star players should never have any influence over who coaches them. What I'm saying is when Magic Johnson moved publicly against Paul Westhead, 
not only had Paul West had won a title, but Magic Johnson was the reason Paul West didn't win a title. <laughs> okay, if you've won, fine. Embiid and Harden have never won anything. And Devin Booker hasn't won anything. And Kevin Durant, listen, all-time great. But the Golden State Warriors won championships, pure, plural, before Kevin Durant ever got there. Yep. They didn't won two. Yep. Two in the previous three and years. I, I think they would have won Without again. Kevin Durant. And they beat Kevin Durant's team and Russell Westbrook's team in the playoffs. Well, that's when Kevin Durant so, decided. And that was in, by the way, a game seven. Took them to game seven. And Kevin Durant decided, instead of trying to come back and beat them, decided, well, that was enough of that. I'm just going to go join him. Right. And, I, uh, I'm, I'm just saying. Whatever. I, that's his I, call. I look at Work coaches who get fired because superstars don't want to play for him anymore. I, I, I look at those coaches and the players who get them fired in two distinct categories. Players who won championships have deserved influence, right? And players who haven't have too much influence. Doc Rivers has won a title. Joel Embiid is not. James Harden is not. But, as teams know, you're also nowhere without your talent. And, and that's where some of these things bump into each other, and it's an odd situation. That's one of the things, again, Michael Malone, has, I think, deserves some credit for building a locker room that genuinely seems to more or less like each other, is tight, doesn't point fingers. Uh, you, you don't see the Joel Embiid, and I get it. In the larger context, he was talking about how uh, the team needs more help. The the, the big yeah, quote yeah, that got pulled out. And he out. did say within that statement, he did say, "I know I've got to be better." Right. Too. He did. It wasn't. It wasn't as clear. But y- y- you don't even hear the Nuggets say things like that. No. And uh, no. Now, now last year you did have two Nuggets fighting during mm-hmm. their playoff loss, and that was not a good look. But both those players were dispatched. Right. Whether it would have happened in quite that way with Tim Connolly uh, remains to be seen, but it did happen that way. And I thought, so you, you got two guys who could be described as divisive out of your locker room. Mm-hmm. And and the two guys, just to make it clear, Monty Morris is not one of those two Correct. guys. It was Cousins, Cousins and it was Barton. And Will Barton, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they are both obviously gone. And uh, in, in their place, in Marcus Cousins' place, well, they were trying to find something. They never really did. But in Will Barton's place, Contavious Caldwell Pope, comes over, who won a title with the Lakers the last time oh, yeah. that they matched up. And, boy, and played he... against who Jamal in that Murray. playoff series? Jamal Murray. Jamal he guarded Murray. Jamal Murray. Now, the thing about that series, too, and people are right in saying Davis and Jokic will be matched up quite a bit in this series. If Davis guarded Jokic in that series in 2020, it was only for a little Dwight bit Howard, of time. Dwight Howard, I thought, was more Dwight impactful Howard and JaVale McGee. Yep. We're the ones beating on Jokic and wearing him down. Well, we'll have an opportunity to talk to uh, Ryan Blackburn of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, Miley Sports, in a moment. But remember, I gave you those numbers a little bit from our friends at Superbook. So now the baseball's back. It looks nice outside. The push for the postseason's on for hockey and hoops, of course. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with the direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, Right now, if you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager all in the same day, I don't know why you wouldn't. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money from Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Ryan Blackburn, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. Uh, I know who's on that last night. I mean, it was me. 
We'll talk about that a little bit as well and break down some of the tactics that the Nuggets and Lakers will throw at each other tonight. We'll do that next on Miley Sports. Send a prayer to the ones up above. All the hate that you've heard has turned your spirit. 